0: The Talking Point with Kathy Sasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
1: All right, thanks for those WhatsApp voice notes. Yeah, I, I, in terms of that voice note around accidents on the road, um, I don't think that it's fair to say that the accidents are being caused by people without licenses because, uh, you know, in terms of some of those that have had cases ended up ending up in the courts, um, some of those accidents have been caused by South Africans. So uh, to make a blanket statement like that, uh, I think is, is really generally very um, unfair. Um, Yeah, but but I think the point around um, illegality of, of licenses and documents is something that has come up there. I would assume that if you're getting hired, you need to submit some kind of documentation, especially from one of our listeners who was anonymous, and he sounds like an employer. Do people not submit documentation before? How did it take an accident to realize that uh, the documentation that this individual had is actually a fake documentation that that would be my my first question but maybe i'm making assumptions about how things work and that may be part of what is leading to um the frustrations that we're seeing in the industry all right we're going to change gear now and uh, get into this conversation the CEO of Siemens Sub Saharan Africa is Sabine Dalomo. She joins us on the line today via Zoom. Sabine, good morning to you. Thanks for your time on the talking point today. Good morning, Kathy. Nice, uh, nice to be with you on this cold Friday morning. Yeah, it is, it is quite cold. We, we have yet more cold fronts, you know, uh, coming through. Apparently, we're not out of the woods just yet. So one of the things that you've been doing is speaking, I think, very openly about a number of issues that affect the country. And before we get into... Um, some of them and some of the ideas that you're sort of putting out to market. I just wanted to begin with getting a sense from you about why it was important um, to add your voice. Uh, you are the CEO of what is a multinational organization. Why, you know, go publicly about some of the views and ideas uh, that you, you are sharing with, I think, not just South Africans, but but the region as a whole?
0: Well, Kathianna, look. From from a business point of view, we we do believe, and and, and in in our business context, uh, what Siemens uh, advocates is business to society, yeah? because we believe that you know our duty is more than than just doing simply business and and doing what you know in the '70s was. The, the story the business of business is business we do not think that's the way that's our company has never operated not in South Africa and not globally, and we do. Uh, uh, think that it's important that you know, we as a technology party, which can you know give also some solutions to to some of the challenges with the continencies, but also South Africa. Um, that we need to advocate and and educate people what is out there and what is possible because uh, not necessarily everybody has the access to the information and therefore we believe it's it's good if we also uh, raise our hand and I mean what we often do is um, and maybe we, we get to it over the next uh, uh, minutes um, also use examples um, where we work together with communities and where we could make a change um, which hopefully then can be a multiplier for, for other communities
1: and that's an important point right to see what is happening elsewhere in the world and perhaps take lessons of of what is working and what isn't working one of the biggest problems that faces south africa today is around sustainable stable energy supply. Speaking more from a global perspective and, um, you know, through the work that you do, is that a uniquely South African problem? And by that, I mean, not that we are resorting to load shedding, but that we need as much energy as we do just to survive and, and thrive in a modern society.
0: Well, look. I mean, from 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 the onset, first of all, in, in general, it's not a unique situation to South Africa. There are there are many countries which have uh, um, capacity issues when it comes to energy, um, Germany included, because of the decision the government took. Um, it's just in South Africa, it's a little bit a, a different story because we we didn't do. maintenance we didn't roll out the very successful uh, reprogram as it was foreseen in the integrated resource plan originally in time There are all good reasons for it but obviously at the end of it and we do the the recounting uh, as of today we see that there is not enough capacity to keep us going and and we are back in, in load shedding, yeah? um, but nevertheless, it's it's not a unique uh, uh, solution or issue for, for South Africa, and that's why there is also a lot of development in, for instance, in Europe, but also in other economies going into how can the energy consumption look going forward. And um, we have a unique possibility and opportunity at this point in time to really tap into these kind of technologies without that we have to do the learning curves from the beginning. And I think South Africa has a has a great opportunity at this point in time to be in a sweet spot where you know. We need to do something with our cold fired power station because the the power plants are obviously not that reliable, and you know, ESCOM has, you know, sketched out what, you know, the, the plan is for the individual stations, and so we come at this point in time at the right moment to also have a transition to a new energy system. And I just want to give you uh, some some aspects to why it's so important. So, show sure. b- before um, b-
1: before you do that, Sabine, I'll give you a moment to do that. Shortly, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're in conversation with Sabine Dalomo, uh, the CEO of Siemens Sub-Saharan Africa.
0: on SAFM.
1: We're looking at the ways in which technology can assist in as far as South Africa's uh, just energy transition, and also the opportunities that uh, could lie, away, lie ahead. Uh, Sabine Dalomo is the CEO of Siemens Sub-Saharan Africa and joins us on the line. So, Sabine, you were talking you, you were wanting to talk to us about some of the important aspects that you want to raise around this just energy transition.
0: Yeah, so so look, I mean, when when we look at the energy composition, and I just want to zoom in for a moment into into Germany, where uh, obviously our headquarters uh, reside and uh, Germany at the time, you know, they made the decision that they will shut down their coal fired power stations uh, for uh, CO2 emission purpose, they decided after Fukushima that we will shut down all our nuclear power stations, and these events came all together. And then we had on the 24th of February last year, the invasion into Ukraine and our gas supply to Germany, which was the backup for the energy supply um, was cut off. So the country really needed to come up with ideas because they are in the middle of the transition. Um, It's a highly industrialized, Industry. You have uh, chemical industry. You have steel plants. You have glass manufacturing, paper manufacturing. Similar like what we have in South Africa, maybe just on a on a bigger scale. And they need to think about what do we do with these kind of industries because these ones you can't can't elect- electrify, yeah, because they just use so much power. This other part is that you have a situation by which um, you have new technologies coming and you have immobility and legislation had been passed to that extent that. Well, that you know combustion engines will be not produced in Europe and in Germany anymore from 2035 so when you look where we are today in 2023 it's not so long until you have a full renewable system to be run and you want to keep your economic activity going. So um, the the, the idea really is to think of partnerships where, you know, Germany and Europe, which have this heavy industrialized base, and which was largely depending on gas, and how can that tap with others together, and you will have seen that throughout a number of visits by uh, our uh, Minister for Economic and Climate Change, the Chancellor of Germany, uh, various other ministers, They have agreed with South Africa, the Just Energy Partnership, um, but also dedicated partnerships on how green hydrogen could be produced in South Africa as an alternative uh, to replace gas, which we obviously can't get anymore, and feed into into the supply chain. And that's why it's, it's very important that we participate in this Just Energy transition for once to help. Our industry and our economy to be a green economy and I I will come back to it in a minute to why this is important, and the second part um, to really have this green energy to produce. uh, Green hydrogen to help uh, and export these products into the global market to keep the global economy going, so we have we have a unique opportunity because others are desperate and we have some of the solutions South Africa has. Uh, one of the best settings when it comes to to solar and wind and the exploitation of renewable energies and why is that so important that it's not only for our own consumption so obviously we do want to make sure that we don't have load shedding. that is the first price and we need to get enough energy into the into the economy to do so but on the so, other hand when mm-hmm. you look at the industries uh namely you know multinationals and exports into europe into the u.s and in germany they need to decarbonize themselves because with the new supply chain legislation which was gazetted over the last months uh, in our export markets um, we need to ensure that our products comply with it because otherwise we might be excluded and it will have even more damping impact on the economy
1: there's a lot that has been said around um, the example in Germany that you are given and how effectively, you know, the, the country has suffered severely as a result of, of the shutdown of gas. And, of course, many then believe the fact that um, Germany is now um, reopening some of its coal mines, that that is a suggestion that the just energy transition has been somewhat of a failure and that perhaps the transition happened too quickly. Um, address that issue for me from, from your perspective, just as somebody who plays in the industry and, and would know a bit more about what, what exactly is at play? Well, I think
0: the, the, the major mistake which, which Germany did at the time was that they had as their backup plan was gas. And you know, to a large extent. Uh, globally it was also assumed that gas would be a better fossil source than coal but uh, i'm not sure if you have followed about you know a year ago they had this explosion um in in the um baltic ocean and uh, all the methane out of a non-operative pipeline was exposed and and it was basically the methane the whole europe would produce somehow in in, in a year and it has really shown that gas is not as good as it looks like uh, on the first glance when you just look at the, at the emission at when it's burned, but you need to look at the implication out of the whole value chain. And obviously, the the situation which which occurred in, in Germany that was the idea. Um, and um, when 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 uh, the gas supply from Russia was cut, they had no real other opportunity because coal mining in Germany is really. Uh, um, low-grade coal which Germany at this point in time mines and um, it's it's a possibility to keep some of uh, the assets longer running but there is definitely no idea to, to go back to coal. It's for them at this point in time a temporary time and we see this also in South Africa because the demand for coal uh, is up because many of the European countries are not using uh, gas from Russia and uh, we see that the export of coal could be much higher and the demand for coal is significantly higher. So that's uh, that's the background of why that has happened. but there is no idea uh, to say well we go back to, to square one and we continue with coal mining. Uh, and It is for them a temporary situation because of the legislation they have passed and uh, the shortage of, of energy available in, in the region.
1: I want us to then get into these energy intensive industries and, you know, some of the ways in which you believe these industries can be innovating. Um, so as to also ensure that the transition, in terms whether it's mining, whether we're looking at um, electricity, interesting also at uh, the water industries are some of those that that you've put on on the list. So we'll continue the conversation uh, with Sabine Dalomo, who is the CEO of Siemens Siemens Sub-Saharan Africa. I'll also give an opportunity for you to engage with her. Some of the questions that uh, you may want to ask, based on what's coming out of uh, This conversation. It's 10:30.
0: Hashtag SFM Talking Point.
1: We continue the conversation on the talking point, and we're talking to Sabine Dalomo, who is uh, the CEO of Siemens Sub Saharan Africa. Uh, we're talking about the opportunities that technology presents in helping to foster a, a seamless or perhaps a more seamless uh, just energy transition in the country. So, Sabine, the energy intensive industries, right? That seems to me uh, where you're pointing us to to say that if we're to truly have have a just transition. We should be focusing on these industries. Why?
0: Well, look, I mean, for instance, um, you have certain industries like, for instance, in manufacturing, um, but also in in the water industry, where you could use renewable energies as, as a backup solution, because at the end of the day, what you want to achieve is that for each of these industries, the processes are not interrupted. And you have a situation specifically when we talk about manufacturing and manufacturing in the context of exports to other markets, that it becomes more important to have decarbonized their full value chain. And ideally, you would be able to do that in your own spheres because we know that ESCOM is still, from a grid point of view, planning to supply coal electricity for quite a number of years and um, if you need to bring in these statistics your export markets that you have decarbonized, um, then electricity from the grid will not do the trick for, for these companies. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and namely, you know, multinationals they have made commitments within the context of the global climate change, and uh, the, the push is very hard uh, on them to to transform into that direction in order to also sell their products in their home markets. And then you have aspects like, for instance, the water infrastructure, where we have an ideal scenario, we can use, you know, uh, solar systems, we can use battery storage, also to make sure when load shedding is happening, that, you know, the water infrastructure is not, you know, uh, impaired all the time. And and you will know anybody who lives in Johannesburg knows through, you know, when we have load shedding level level six, and um, where I stay, I can tell you, I have zero water pressure because uh, there are no pumps running and it's just what comes from uh, from the gravity feed and it's it's obviously for a household okay, but um, and you can you know do do visit for a few hours, but think about you know old age home, uh, a hospital, and and they all need to to use backup solutions, which largely is uh, diesel generators um, in order to to produce more CO two, and and hence you know for these critical infrastructures we need to have a solid backup plan, and that we will believe, um, when you have access also to water, which is as important more important from our point of view than access to electricity
1: because without water you are not able to be economic active. Yeah. Mm. Mining mining is, is, is a big industry um for this country. And one of the ideas that you know you're putting out there is how South Africa can be perhaps taking part in uh, what you describe as off-grid mining, as uh, smarter mining. Um, what, what would it take for us to get there? And is off-grid mining possible, number one? Number two, we also, of course, have big industries that are now moving to a point where they're increasing um, their private e- energy supply to reduce the reliance on uh, parastatal like ESCOM.
0: Yeah, Well, look on the on the mining side one thing what you what you need to see most it's very depending on what kind of, of mining operation, it is Yeah. so. Um, if you, for instance, have a shaft which you know needs to run 24 seven you might have a different backup solution as well, but there are large parts of the operation as well in the mining environment, which can run on. On renewables, and uh, you have mining operations even in in platinum, where, for instance, hydrogen—not green hydrogen, but hydrogen—is is a product, a byproduct out of the production, which you can use within in the mining operation. And you will know that uh, Anglo American um, has in Limpopo uh, piloted, for instance, the usage of you know hydrogen for the hydrogen trucks in the pit, and and there are a number of possibilities to to you know decarbonize for for one part, but also to make the operation self sustainable, because when you look at, at mining companies, they are also working in a global market, they have the same requirements when they trade their product in a global market, they need to show to their investors and, and uh, to their shareholders of how they are decarbonizing uh, their value chain, because a lot of of products, a lot of materials, which we see specifically in in the the southern African tip, um, are materials which are used for the energy transition uh, globally. Mean it, you know, for cobalt for the production of of uh, electric vehicles and batteries. But you know, you have copper and and other materials are needed to make sure that we actually get at the end of the just energy transition. And when they want to supply into these new technologies, they need to showcase that they have also decarbonized because otherwise it would be a pretty pointless interaction and we see a lot of movement in this area and after specifically in South Africa, the cap on the megawatts had been lifted last year by the president. Uh, There were a number of projects which had been already uh, drafted, which are now uh, in in execution and um, in changing the way on how mining is going to operate on the continent. And looking at the mining endeavor, for instance, in February in Cape Town, the core theme was how can we decarbonize Uh, Mining and get mining to a kind of a green mining.
1: When we talk about the Just Energy Transition, one of the biggest concerns, and you will hear this mostly coming from the unions and um, other organizations in the civic space, is around job losses and the need to uh, protect jobs or including create as many jobs as, as possible through this transition, how do you think that those concerns and those fears um, can be dealt with? Well, I mean, first of all, I think that the fears and the concerns are very
0: valid because it's a it's a reality that if, you know, shut something down, Uh, And you don't have immediately a backup plan of what comes next um, that it will impact on on uh, jobs and and possibly as well economic activity, Um, but you know from a from a point, we will need to look at how can we incorporate exactly these kind of concerns but also the unions and the communities into the way forward and and can upskill them into into new technologies in in other industries um, obviously we have ekomati as our first example in south africa on how a just energy transition can look like and you know when you look At the current outcome, it might not be optimized, but from a business point of view, you know, for us, it would also be important to engage with the community to see, you know, within the work we do specifically in the renewable energy side, is there a possibility that we can partner up, you know, having enterprise and supplier development initiatives in the region. And um, we did address it with ESCOM to see, you know, how from a business point of view, we would be able uh, to support because... I I understand the concerns of people, and when you're not as deep in um, what the solutions could be uh, engaged in, then you know fear always takes over. But I, I can tell you, you know I'm, I'm I was born in a region in Germany where coal mining was the dominant product which was done, and obviously in the 70s that business went went rapidly down. So um, there is no coal mining in that region anymore. And uh, it took a while uh, to, to get the transition going. And now, you know, the region is, has become a digital hub for, for Germany and, and an engineering hub for development of, of certain solutions in a number of industries. And, and I think that is what we need to consider. And, and that's why we believe a company like Siemens is so important in the context of partnership, because we work on these technologies for the
1: future. We're leading the conversation on the talking point, and we continue our conversation with Sabine Dalomo. Sabine, you know, you ended off speaking about the role that you believe a company like yours can play when it comes to these big challenges that uh, South Africa is having to navigate its way through. And it brings back this, you know, concept of public-private partnerships. And on the one hand, you have the expectations around what it is that the state can do and should do. And we're talking here about critical infrastructure. But because there have also been, you know, such failures even neglect in some instances of infrastructure we can talk about rail we can talk about energy i I mean business is you know it it has formed sort of war rooms and 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 working um working rooms with government on some of the big uh, areas whether we're talking rail electricity health they're working committees between uh, the two in, in, in multiple industries. And for me, it raises a question about, is there a point where we draw the line? Does business or would you say that business should have a, a place where it draws the line in terms of what it expects the South African government to do in, in, the, in the provision of basic services, which really would then allow business to do what it's supposed to do, which is you know, focusing on on creating jobs?
0: yeah, look, I mean, w- one part which uh, which is obviously uh, a challenge, um, the the situation is that you can't turn back time, yeah, so and and as much we know, what has happened in the past and there are a number of you know uh, reports uh, which are dealing with it the NPA is dealing with certain things specifically when it comes to to the corruption aspect and uh it just it just will take time uh, to to clean to clean that up but you know as 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 a company and as 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 business as we see right now um we think there needs to be a constant dialogue we we can't step away and say and now it's enough and enough, because the implication for South Africa would be that there would be even a further deterioration. And I, I do believe you know the answer is in in a close collaboration, between business and 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 government, um, because we we have uh, the resources. Uh, government has limited resources because uh, it's defined by what the tax collections are, um, and from that point of view, the answer will be in in a collaboration.
1: Hello, Sabine. All right. It it looks like we've lost Sabine on the line. I do uh, apologise for that. We'll get her up, and I'll also play some of the questions, specifically those uh, that you're sending on the WhatsApp voice note line for her. And I'll also take your calls on 086-00-2032. Hashtag
0: S F M talking
1: point. All right, we continue the conversation with Sabine Dal-Omo. Sabine, we lost you for uh, a bit there. I understand you're back up on the line. Can you hear me loud and clear? Yes, I can. Yes. Uh, You were still talking about the role that you see business playing um, in the current climate where we do have these infrastructure failures and public private partnerships that are sort of on the table. And I was asking the question around whether it doesn't derail business from doing what it's supposed to do.
0: Uh, Well, as as I mentioned, I do believe that there is only a solution if business and government works closely together, and when you look at certain aspects like for instance coming back to the need you know not only to decarbonize but also to ensure that your whole value chain if you look at the supply chain legislations which are for many of our industrial customers are important um you need to ensure that you're in control of where um, your services are coming from in the different scopes which are supplying into your into your uh, manufacturing uh, or any any other aspects and therefore um, the, the point is, if you as as business get involved with government, you also can make sure that you have transparency what's actually happened in, in that service which is provided be it rail energy water and that it's done in the proper way so um, business has definitely an interest and we see, for instance, on transnet um, there are. A lot of moves to, you know, privatize uh, and have uh, private concessions on some of the rail lines, together with the mining companies. Um, but also, you know, uh, Durban Pier Two was now in a partnership given um, with um, with the Malaysian company. Now, very good good progress made because, you know, first of all, business has the funding available and they can motivate investment largely into the structure and they they have if you have for instance a port operator who does it on a commercial basis and not on a governmental basis they have complete different mechanism on how they can also award contracts select vendors uh, get service agreements going because sometimes also our public procurement framework which is meant to protect you know the tax pocket but sometimes just in a way on on how it works, and it's also not unique to South Africa, it just makes it very complicated um, for, you know, companies like Transnet to have uh, uh, equipment contracts and service contracts with the same company, but as a private company, you normally don't have these, these implications, and it makes the operation much, much smoother in in, in that context, so hence, we do believe there is a, is a great room to play, if you look at, for instance, aspects like water, yeah, and I said already, on water um, if you don't have water there is very limited business you can do and um, the, the European chambers had yesterday an engagement with, with the deputy president and you know all companies which have been there um, were voicing that water is the most critical part because electricity you can produce yourself through a lot of means but water you can't and when we look at the myriad of problems some of the municipalities are facing it is there are good people out there who want to do the right thing, but they just don't have enough resources uh, to do that because the simple stuff like sometimes revenue collection, non-revenue water is is not managed because even that funding is not available. And here we do believe you know if, if business comes in and we support uh, for instance, like programs in Polakwana and in uh, Mandela Bay, where' the Nepal business Foundation is an agency to assist finding out where these things go wrong you can see that some of the projects they have a payback time within three months um and and there i do believe it's only possible if, if business steps in and gives the initial push for it
1: what do you think are some of the big risks that we are facing currently as a country especially when it comes to trying to invest companies to uh, to or trying to attract rather companies to invest in this country. So what do we need to do uh, to convince somebody like you, Sabine, to put more money into this country? Well look from from one part, investment
0: is always depending on what kind of exploitation on the GDP you can have. and um, if you look at our growth rate currently, it is not there where we need to be, and that's why we have all the other dilemmas. We don't have enough job creations because there is just not enough of a market. And you know, um, the African continent. I just want to give you a feel for it. So, Africa in totality, real GDP, uh, 2022 was 2.7 trillion uh, euros, and the UK as a single country. With uh, 80 million people in comparison to, to Africa, 1.5 billion has 2.9 billion euro as real GDP, so we we'll really need to grow the, the GDP base rather through you know, growth in our country or even into the region through the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, because we need to get away currently, if you look at what the African continent is about, is largely about services provided within um, the the countries like insurance banking, which is very good. Telecommunication is a a large chunk in it, but there's only 14% if you take everything out, which relates to manufacturing on the continent, which is not energy and mining. Um, And and here is is really the the, the biggest disconnect, because we are largely still an extractive economy. South Africa, not so much, because we have industrialized applications, but we need to ensure that they remain with us and that we do the right steps so that they can stay in Africa and in South Africa, so that we as i said decarbonize the value chain because if we don't decarbonize they are not able to export their products into other markets and then you know the size doesn't justify anymore which you then produce maybe for the south african market um, to keep a manufacturing going so we will ever feel danger that the, the manufacturing base even becomes smaller and so this is what we need to answer so we need a just energy transition we need to ensure that basic infrastructure is working and that is electricity that is transport and we need to have a rule of law um, and these are the the three core pillars including water um which which need to be addressed with urgency and then you will see that investment is coming forward because by nature yeah, um south africa as a country has such a great asset, with regards to a whole legislative framework. We are matching the supply chain legislation so well, if you think about the Health and Safety Act, um, a lot of aspects which are regulated in our constitution. Um, we are ideally positioned, and we need to exploit it for the benefit of South Africans.
1: Oh, I've got a question here uh, and I think it's related uh, to green hydrogen. I'm just going to play this voice note and give you an opportunity to respond. Hello, this is Katie and as a family. Uh, Sis Katie, please help me. I just need to know what happened to this dam. It used to be called Hendrik Verwood
0: Dam, but now it's called Harib Dam. That dam was built by my father around the seventies and that them was built for supplying hydropower but what happened to it I can hear now we are struggling with power supply as you we all know that Eskom is really in big trouble but what happened I can't hear anyone talking about hydropower supply do we still have those them that supply power uh, It's Eliza from Techspread thank you sis Sabine well look i mean on the on on the power side South Africa does have uh, some some hydro uh, um applications also within in the escom like for instance, the ingula pump station uh, scheme is is one part um and and there are uh, hydro aspects, but we are a water scarce country and um, so for us most probably hydro will be largely uh, a kind of a a pump station or pump scheme for that matter because we don't have these massive rivers which you can uh, which you can dam and and then have sufficient flow at any given point in time, but you know there are certain areas specifically in the southern African power pool um, with, for instance, the Congo um you will know that in in zimbabwe on the border to zimbabwe and and in zambia they have a, a number of hydro applications um, which which produce their power but obviously um when we think about that we had in 2016 and 18 in these three years the massive drought uh, the rivers didn't carry enough water and, and so they didn't have any power from from that source and so there are some some installations but uh yeah, there are unfortunately not so many opportunities just given mm. the the, the uh, geographic aspects in South Africa.
1: All right. We're edging towards the end of our conversation. And I think um, it, it's perhaps, uh, I want to end it off on this note with you, Sabine. What gives you hope about this country right now? And the reason I ask that question is that we have so many South Africans that uh, have become you know, disillusioned with the state of affairs, they simply don't see a reason to be even optimistic about what the future of this country will look like. Well,
0: uh, for for me, really, the the massive point and and what keeps me optimistic about South Africa is, is, as I mentioned before, South Africa has all the right legislation in place um, to make sure that we can comply um, with... You know, human rights, health and safety. Um, we have an environmental act, and and you know, it's not something which is on paper. It's also acted on. It's it's still not all optimized, but it, you see progress in in certain areas how it's being implemented. Um, there is a strong partnership between business and and the government to solve these these three challenges we have um, in in the infrastructure environment and um there you see progress yeah and and you don't have this in, in in many areas unfortunately it takes a long time for everybody to see it and because south africa is so well positioned um we have a great opportunity to play a much bigger role in the global economy which will be a benefit for south africa but we also need to you know um what what, what frustrates me on it is a bit um we need to start stop having our own goals yeah because um we need to market uh, the achievements which uh the country has has gained so far and it's not all it's not all bad um but as i said um, i'm very optimistic about it because south africa has the right uh, attributes and and specifically you know with the change in digitalization you know where a lot of investment becomes much cheaper and and looking at you know the tech saviness a lot of young south africans bring along um, their motivation Um, It's really for us something where we where we look at how we can extend these kind of of business opportunities for, you know,
1: productions into the global markets. And um, that is, is wonderful. Sabine Dalomo is the CEO of Siemens Sub Saharan Africa. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show and sharing just uh, some of those ideas, Sabine. Truly appreciate it. Uh, a quick response then on the question about the Kharib Dam. That will lead us into the 11 o'clock news.